When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all gonna laugh at you. You're listening to the Jersey Cools. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. And you know when it gets to be like spring and you're still in school for the year and you're kind of over it, but you're still, and then something really cool, a really good lesson happens and you're like, fuck, this is why I love school. Mm -hmm. Tonight's episode for me is that. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're still in Jersey Ghoul school. But then these two movies were so mind-blowingly good. That I was like, I'm not even mad. Because like with the holidays coming up and Halloween and stuff, I was like, oh, you know, we're still doing Jersey Ghoul School. But man, was tonight's episode good for me. Twisting Big Boppin' 1950s. We're still in the black and white movies, which makes me very happy. I'm wearing my my poodle skirt. Yes. And I've got my hair permed. I've got a leather jacket on and I've got a pack of Marlboro Lucky Strikes rolled up in my sleeve. Yep. And I'm ready to, I'm ready to get weird because we are rolling into the 1950s y'all. And these movies were like stupid good for me. Like I was like losing my mind over how much I enjoyed them. I, I gotta say, so obviously per the thumbnail, Mm-hmm. 1955's Night of the Hunter mm-hmm. and 1956 Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, one of these movies I had a real problem with, and you will hear as I read my notes, the first half of my notes is just fuck this, fuck that, fuck this. Wow. But then it gets real good. Wow, okay. But then it's real good. The other one I loved start to finish. Okay. I was just obsessed with both these movies. I was mad at myself for never having seen Night of the Hunter because what I tell you, edge of your seat. Like apparently this this movie scores really well on like the AFI's best thrillers and best suspense movies of all mm-hmm. time. And goddamn does it deserve it because Night of the Hunter, which I guess we'll talk about first if that's okay, 1955. Mm-hmm. Holy shnikes. If you have not seen this movie, guys, please do yourself a favor, press pause, go watch this movie because it is truly one of the best movies I have seen in years. Hot take. Wow. Okay. And okay. listen, problematic. Don't get me wrong. Yes. Like lots of anti-feminist. <laughs> My God. Right. Like lots of, but I think the problematic stuff only works to drive the themes home. It, now that I've seen the movie yes. from start to finish, I will agree because yeah. this is the movie where, let me just read off my notes. God, hit me girl. So the Lord hates women. God mm-hmm. tells him to kill. Awesome. More bullshit about killing in the name of your God. Mm-hmm. Um, capitalism punishment religious mm-hmm. as a for, uh, religion as a form of delusions mm-hmm. this is a really tough watch in 2021 mm-hmm. um we get about to like maybe 45 minutes in and then suddenly this becomes one of the best movies ever right like it really really turns it around and now like i said now that i've seen it from start to finish now i can appreciate that first beginning of how much it made me mad like it's just so character building for everyone in this movie and it like knocks it out of the park. Right, right. And like, holy shit, you're right. Everything you said are like the themes that make this so good. Like this film in 1955 is to me literally a condemnation of like the patriarchy of the suburbs and like the rural life in America. I know it's supposed to take place during the depression, but it's a, a it's a fucking criticism of organized religion and, and fundamentalism. It's a criticism of the fucking hypocrisies of fucking small town thinking. It is everything I fucking love and a believe in all wrapped in a weird little 1950s bow so let's dive in this is directed by charles lawton who was a theater guy right like mm-hmm. he was never really known for anything else film wise i think his theatrical background really shines in the best ways in the directing of this film yeah. i think the direct the actors just do a 
freaking slam dunk job with this movie. I literally, Harry Powell scared the bejeebies out of me. I wanted to hide in the basement from the protagonist, the antagonist in this movie. Like he was so creepy and scared when he was running around singing those religious hymns. <laughs> and um, like Poltergeist 2 vibes, right? Oh, 100%. That's you're right. Exactly, I got that. And actually, I went to that clip in Poltergeist 2 because I was like, holy fuck, what if they were singing the same song? Like, oh God, what if that what if that pants. scene from Poltergeist 2 was an homage to this? Which maybe it was. P.S. It was a different song, but okay. that had to have been an homage because it's the same thing with the creepy preacher singing the song when Carol Ann's in the yard. Oh, God, it was so creepy. I need to say something about two of the actors. And okay. we have come to the decade where we actually probably have seen these actors in other things. 100%. This is maybe, I mean, obviously we're not counting like the heavy hitters like Bella Lugosi and all that. But, you know, before this movie, before I watched this movie and looked into it, I would have maybe recognized some of these actors, but I would never have been able to tell you their names. So the lead guy, the our, our villain, mm-hmm. is played by the actor Robert Mitchum. And the guy in the beginning, Ben Harper, who is the the dad in it, um, he's the one that is the criminal that stole the money. Uh, again, I, I would have looked at that guy and had no idea who mm, he was. He was yummy. So here's what I find funny, though. So we're now in the 1950s. So these are now actors that I'm going to recognize because late in their career, a la like the 80s and 90s, they're doing bit parts in movies that I'm familiar with. Okay. So when I looked up Robert Mitchum, I'm looking through his IMDb and he is just like powerhouse after powerhouse, so many things. You know what I know him from? What? He's Preston in the movie Scrooged. In the beginning of Scrooged, he is Preston. He's the one he's having that lunch with when the first ghosts start to come to haunt Bill Murray. He's like the head of the network. So huh. that's how I know him. Oh my him. God, that's so funny. Okay. Um, the guy who plays Ben Harper is played by an actor named Peter Graves. Yeah. And again, Peter Graves has been in a ton of stuff. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be good. So remember in Adam's Family Values, when um, Debbie is seeing the show about herself, it's that crime show, America's Most Disgusting Unsolved Crimes. <laughs> he's the host of that shut up show. that's what he's from that's amazing he's, it's not i mean he was also in he's airplane been in, yeah you know like he's been he he's died been like suddenly yeah but that like we like i said this is really this is funny. an era now where i know these people from bit parts they played bit in, parts movies in, in yeah. the 80s and it's like like i said the ridiculous stuff I, the moment I you're saw right Peter he was in adam's picture, family the <laughs> moment i saw his picture as like an old man i was like that's the guy from Adam's Family Values, right? That's talking about Debbie and her Black Widow crimes. Oh my God, and I, I love- I went I, back and I watched oh the scene. God, and yeah, amazing. it's America's most disgusting unsolved crimes. Well, first of all, Harry as a serial killer is to me truly haunting because there's nothing better than the serial killer everybody, nobody suspects. There's mm-hmm. also nothing scarier to me than a missionary killer, right? Because in the mm-hmm. types of killers, the one that believes they're doing a purpose beyond themselves and is a, either schizophrenic or, or whatever mental health disorder that leads them to believe that for their themselves. Now, I don't know if he truly believed it or if he was just really good at pretending, but either way, God, what a chilling villain. What a, I mean, just, and the way he messed with little children, like, oh, so oh manipulative. Like, he's gonna kill those just... kids. Oh my God, he's gonna kill those kids. And the, when she would just be holding the doll and like the money, oh my God. So basically for anybody who might not have seen it, the plot is that a, a, a rob, a guy who, who robs a bank basically to be like, fuck you to the system. And he, he really tries to provide money for his family. So he decides to rob this bank, which P.S. Yeah, fuck you, capitalism and a broken system that doesn't work for anybody. <laughs> and it's funny because whenever I'm like, this is it, man, this is the collapse of capitalism because our society right now is such a mess. I think of the depression and I'm like, well, I guess it could get worse and capitalism will still survive. He steals this money. He tells his kids where it is and doesn't tell and tells them no matter what, don't tell anybody. Fucking snitches get stitches because little Pearl, the daughter, starts to get little Lucy with the lips, if you know what I mean. And they wind up, she winds up taking the money, right? Like she, she takes the money out. It's like flopping around. So they bury it in the doll. And then just this guy, the serial killer guy tries to catch the, the money. What I thought of you the whole time, because what a great condemnation of, of devout, strict, organized religion, man. Icy is such, and, and again, like the, the cautionary tale of everybody pushing the, the widow to, to get with this preacher guy. 
mm-hmm. and then the wedding night scene oh my god oh god like basically this this movie oh. well, not this movie but the character was basically like fuck you for having any sense of sexuality you know like it was their wedding night and yeah. the woman was like all right let's you know kind of touch penis and he yeah. was like first of all that is not happening second of all fuck you for even thinking you're gonna touch my body he's like yeah. he like he basically he condemned basically her says to her like the only thing a woman's body is for is for making babies and if you don't want to make babies then to hell like how dare yeah. literally yeah. to hell with you yeah for even wanting to sexuality and i think this film is such a fuck you to the patriarchal values of the time that it was made in and i love the i want to read the book first of all definitely yes. gonna buy it same uh a book by davis grubb and i hope it's as good as as the, the movie is and this movie literally is, is a middle finger to all of the values that people were gripping with such ferocity in the mid 50s mm-hmm. you know what i mean like whether it be the really extreme religion whether it be the suburbs and the rural bullshit whether it be any of that stuff i mean and the woman gets killed. She gets killed for buying into a broken system. And it's a shame too, because she tries at the beginning, she tries, she's like, I don't want to marry anybody else. I am good. Like I just want to yeah. raise my kids. And because she's living in a world where, well, clutch your pearls if you're an unmarried woman. And yeah. oh, what would what would what would Jesus say? And oh, you can't raise yeah. kids without there, a father. There was you know? also the pressure on her that's like, you need to redeem yourself because you right. were married she to a married to a scumbag. criminal. Right. You were Which, married yes, to a criminal. I'm team Rob a bank too, because I not that I would commit the crime because I don't want to go to prison, but I, I, you know, like I get the, I know what it's like to be like, you know what, this system is broken and I'm going to take advantage of it because it's a broken system. And and I don't want my kids to know poverty. And, and Ben Harper to me is one of the only good characters. Like all of the good characters in this film are people whose society kind of rejects, which I love. So like the uncle guy, right the poor guy literally drinks uncle birdie uncle birdie drips himself to a stupor because he's like i found the body and no one's gonna believe it wasn't me right like when the when the preacher finally slits the woman's throat and i love the description when they were like it looked like a like what great writing when they were like oh man it, the slit in her throat looked like a fucking air like another freaking mouth like just the power of of good writing and good acting but like he literally is like, nobody's gonna believe this wasn't me. Everybody's gonna, I'm gonna die for this. Like, and also like the way she becomes so Stockholmed by him and the scene when they're like preaching, oh God, this movie's so good. So to me, why this movie is so amazing with its condemnation of religion is because not only does it kind of warn against just how violent the Christian ideologies truly are, but to me, it's the big slap in the face of the concept of the woman as the source of original sin, right? yeah because you know and and rachel become i love so at the end the the kids run and hide with this woman who's a bad bitch unmarried woman i love her literally my notice she's a bad bitch she ain't no fool and oh my god mine is mrs cooper is a badass motherfucker <laughs> so uh besties yeah um but I love her character as like an antithesis to this idea of like the, you know, the prim and proper girl, because she goes against what, what the world would want for her and what her religion would want for her. And in turn, she's the only truly good person. To me, Willa represents the perils of being a woman in a very broken, very misogynistic religion. And it might be a hot take for me to, to talk of Christianity that way, but this type of Christianity, this, and, and we know for anybody who listens knows that I am the one who clings to some sort of faith, but growing up Catholic, I always thought the church was out to get women of a certain type, people who rebelled against the normal patriarchal norms. Um, I always tell the story of one of the moments where I lost all my faith in my religion when um, a girl in our church growing up, I was, I was raised in a Catholic church. Uh, got an abortion and when she and I was like maybe an early teenager at this point I was maybe 14 15 and she was about my age and the priest when she confessed to the priest that she had done it and she had gotten it under circumstances that were like understandable I I don't want to say I know for sure but I know that it was like yeah it was one of those things where you're like okay regardless of how I feel it's her body period but also I totally get why she would want this so she she confesses it to the priest and he tells her she's no longer welcome in the Catholic church. And then he goes on to put up a bulletin, you know, the little like outdoor sign Mm -hmm. the next week had a statement about how abortion was an abomination. 
Cool. And I remember that being the moment where I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. This isn't right. And to me, this film does a really beautiful job of saying that there are two roads a woman can take. A woman can choose to internalize her religion the way Rachel kind of, Rachel's still a very much a very religious character. The old, the old woman, yeah. she quotes the Bible. She brings out the good in it. She takes from it what's, what, what might be salvageable. And yeah. she says to fuck you to everything else. Whereas, you know, Willa and Icy and all the other characters who embrace this fundamental Christianity, this extreme Christianity, this Bible thumping middle of the fucking country bullshit, they all get exactly what they deserve. Which is to say, by buying into such a broken system, you're bringing about the evil and the badness. You're letting the the, the shitty parts overtake the good and what's supposed to be something of good. And, and I, I just, I, this movie made me like literally bought me to tears at the end. And I know that might be Cordy, but I was literally so moved by the way the film was able to turn it all around and be like, but look, there is something good to be had in religion, but man organized religions fucking that up. And Harry Powell is what you get from the corruption of the church. Mic drop. I'm done. Good. <laughs> Boom. Boom. She's up. No, I, I agree. A thousand, I agree. I agree. A thousand percent. They are so blinded by their perceived goodness that they can't even see what they're doing. You know, it's like, oh, I'm doing this in the name of God. I'm doing right. this in and the really name of God. And horrible it's like, things. Right. Like the whole, like, yeah, I, I could, I could go on and on. I won't. Um, but like, you know, the whole, the, fuck the church like i'm sorry like the whole abortion thing it's like why are you putting your god in my uterus because your god does not belong there you know if anything if there is any sort of deity religion or anything satan is going in to my uterus and satan can live in my uterus that's that's praise praise satan Seriously. And again, like, you know, that I kind of fall a little more gently on the spectrum than you do. I'm, I'm really, I do believe there's something to be said for, for a faith in something, mm-hmm. even if it's just to make yourself feel better at the end of the day, which I do believe some, a lot of it is, but it does guide me in a lot of ways. So I do believe in a spirituality, but man, this movie and I are really on the same page when it comes to the dangers of organized religion, particularly to marginalized people, because the kids in this film are marginalized too. And they are often put in the bo- the, the most danger by a society that is like cold and uncaring towards them in the name of, oh, we're so Christian and we're so good. And we're so, you know, like it's, it's mind blowing. And this movie was, and you know who I wanted to punch in the throat the entire time was Icy Poon. And is her name Icy Puna? I might be missing. I might be making up that second part. I know it's Icy. I'm pretty sure her last name is Poon. I hope. Oh my God! If her name is Icy Poon, that like just I'm makes it right so now. much better. Um, you spoon, know, Icy Spoon, not Poon. Oh, Spoon, Icy Spoon, Icy Spoon. Oh, she's yeah, Icy Poon. Walt Spoon, Icy's husband. Icy Poon. Um, well, I, I like Icy Poon better. I like Icy Poon Icy better. Walt and Icy Poon. Put Icy Poon on the on the band name list. <laughs> yes. Done. That's only if I have like an all-girl punk band. Yeah, oh I have God. an all-girl punk band. Yeah, be- Icy Poon opening for Bikini Kill makes so much sense to me. <laughs> there probably already is an all-girl punk band a, called Icy like Poon. Like riot but- girl band called Icy Poon. But if there isn't, sure. you and I are going to start it. We're done. We're done. Oh right my God. Now. So Icy Poon. And I, and I, again, I love, I love so much about this movie, but God, if you have not seen this movie, guys, please go out and give it a watch. I know we probably just ruined it all for you, but. We did. It's, we kinda, so the- We did it to be fair. <laughs> um can i talk about the ending real quick because there's there some the god bless us everybody so <laughs> i love that it's just like merry christmas mm-hmm. we're gonna hang somebody yeah and the mob mentality is like oh uh, fuck yeah we are yep so you know again like it's that like you know the snow is falling and then linus steps up to the microphone and he's like we're gonna kill this motherfucker <laughs> Yep. And then it's like, Lights, what you talking about? Everybody. You're like, that's it. And then it's, yeah. yeah. And then it's God bless us all and good night. Yeah. And I'm here. I'm here for it. But at the end of it though. So what happens to the money? Like, does he John, gave it to Rachel? Does he give it to her? Cause I was like, I, I couldn't yeah. remember. Like, that's I'm how they got I'm like, all the ni- that's how she got the nice little thing for that's the, what the I girl, figured. But the, I'm like, they the, really didn't yeah. spell that out. I'm like, you know, did, did he give it to her? Like, did he and Pearl gave it, which P.S. You know how I am with kids. John, I really liked. Pearl, I kind of wanted to kick her in the river a couple Pearl, of times. Pearl was like, a liability to me. Pearl yeah, deserved like she, whatever you gave her. 
I knew you weren't gonna like her. The one I swear to God, one of the first things I I thought of was I was like, "Mm, Jackie's not gonna like Pearl. (laughs) No, we could we could have left Pearl behind. Yeah, we take her dolly, we leave Pearl behind. I like no. I one of my notes at one point before we met Rachel, one of my notes was the only people in this movie I like are Uncle Bertie and John because John is like a stand up do right by what my father says loyalty kind of guy yeah. and uncle birdie gets white girl wasted and i think it was funny. oh 100 <laughs> percent let's get white girl wasted but to be fair if i find a body and i think everybody's gonna pin it on me i might get white girl wasted too i might be like where are my white claws where because yeah. this shit's gonna get real <laughs> oh, oh my god birdie. that made me giggle you make me giggle i love the original artwork for this poster by the way has uh, Willa on her knees like holding on mm-hmm. to the serial killer fuck what a great interesting like and you know me like I'm always looking for a reason to like gag with like as a new wave feminist at like like a third wave feminist I guess at um you know the problematic feminism of a film but I actually think this film says some really interesting shit about feminism I could talk for hours about it because I also think that Rachel's treatment of the teen girl she's watching is both fascinating and for the time very evolved like I don't know if you if you noticed those scenes but I found her treatment of that girl the way that girl was navigating trying to be a woman in a very oppressive society this is right on the cusp of first wave feminism right Mm -hmm. and women are still very much trying to get a seat at the table in a lot of arenas we still are Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) and i think that like the way at the end she gives her the gift the way it's kind of like she's giving her permission by giving her that little brooch for her hair i feel like she's giving her permission to womandom and to her own independence i feel like rachel's teaching this girl to have a sort of like kind of toggle like i'm not saying that she does it perfectly but she does a really interesting job of bringing a more centrist view for the time if that's fair mm-hmm. you know i don't know well um, i she's think that's not she... icy poon telling everybody no, she's not icy poon. With no, i think i think what she does is i think she she skates that really fine line of yeah. yes it's okay to be a woman, to have sexuality. Mm-hmm. It's okay to want a man. Yeah. You're but... also still technically a child. I want right. you to be safe. There's predators out there. Exactly. You know, like, like, she, and she right. really, she finds that really good balance of, I want you to be safe. I want you to be aware. I want you to have your guard up. But hey, you want to kiss a boy, kiss a boy. You know, you like want- if you oh, feel like you're ready. You like, a little. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, and that's one of them. I mean, she's, I loved her. The moment we met her, I'm like, home girl, home girl. Same, me too. And when she sat there with the gun all night and then sang the same religious song, <laughs> fuck that is. moment in that film. Blo- like that moment was like, the, like I have these, I don't know if anybody else has these. And if you do, please reach out and share them with me because I have these moments all the time. But when I'm watching a film, there are moments that go make me be like, that's why I want to make films because this moment is like, changing me the moment where he's in the background walking and singing and she's sitting there with the shotgun up all night waiting for his ass to come by oh i love that scene and then she starts singing the hymn that he's singing Uh god that was such a good she's like like, yep me too but you're not getting pants but yeah yeah, but fuck around and find out motherfucker and and the fact that she has the big phallic gun is so to me and again i realize it probably wasn't meant to be a phallic symbolism of the problems of patriarchy but for me it is and i love it you know take it she's like we will take take that fucking cocked gun you know like i love it and it's she's it's it's like masculinizing her in all the best ways and god i love this film jackie yeah no there's there is no need for a husband there is no need for a husband in that situation she is both the maternal and the and the like the traditional protector roles all meshed into one yeah she don't need no man no in scarier news did you read that this was based on a, a real serial killer loosely based uh, no, but I probably won't sleep tonight now. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry Powell, he was loosely based, the writer of the book loosely based him on a serial killer named Harry Powers. And Powers, uh, I think that, you know what, I think he, I think I read he was Dutch born and then lived in America. So I don't know what his original birth name was, but in America, he went by Harry Powers. Okay. Um, I believe he was in West Virginia and huh. he- lured women uh in lonely hearts ads 
Oh, um, no. And he murdered women and children to get to uh, money and inheritance. I remembered. And he got away with it for a while, if, if I remember correctly. He right? did end up uh, hanged for his Good. crimes in 1932. But yeah. Sounds like he had was, a comment. So, so yeah, loosely based. I don't think it was like exact, but yeah, loosely based on Harry Powers. Wow. Very, mm-hmm. very, very interesting. Literally um, my last note. So it's just Christmas, the end. because it kind of just was like you know it really it was like very you know it's snowing it's christmas we're gonna hang a guy let's go open presents we've opened (laughs) presents the end well it does speak to the brutality of the society yeah i mean Mm -hmm. the idea of just how much violence is ingrained in all of our traditions man we love ourselves a good violence as a as a culture don't we okay i was just say the last thing and i apologize if anybody at home is yelling at their phones or however you're listening to us uh-huh. um the character being called ben harper i instantly thought of the musician ben harper oh God, me too yeah but i couldn't figure out like a good steal my kisses joke and the money that he stole like i couldn't figure out a cohesive joke about ben harper stealing kisses and money so oh, I, tried. I was gonna go with the diamonds on the outside joke but i couldn't come oh, up with fair. one either yeah. yeah no i tried that i'm not i'm not that funny so me i neither. just I, 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 <laughs> please know that the attempt was made yeah i'm just not particularly funny <laughs> this all goes this like you first of all you're fucking hilarious second of all this all goes back to my theory that i'm not funny if i try to script my funny like i've learned that lesson for this podcast that. that like when i try to write a joke it just never lands so i just try to i mean most of my jokes don't land period but like usually if but they no, do land <laughs> they i do try land. to be funny and it doesn't work and then like i just kind of make a statement that i think i'm just like you know blah 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 and people crack up yeah so it's like i I have no idea i just let the word yeah but i couldn't i couldn't come up with a good ben harper steal my kisses and hide my kisses in your dolly like i couldn't i couldn't figure it out and then it made it you can hide your kisses in my dolly anytime exactly (laughs) then it made it real weird and then satan was in my uterus again and we just no i do think satan in my uterus might be the name of my memoir (laughs) oh that's a good one yeah that's a very good one also a good name for a women's band i might ask satan in my uterus (laughs) I I liked the ending. I was able to overlook the the lynching because boy, did he, I I don't mind a good lynch mob when they really got it coming. I gotta tell (laughs) you, because granted moms get it wrong all the time, but in this case, they nailed it. Um, even though really they were like the, 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 the sheriff was going to lead them. So I guess it was an okay mob, but, um, I thought the happy ending fit for me because it was like, in order to truly be pure in your celebration of religion, and this is just me projecting my own feelings about it, you have to break away from the society norms and like, you have to free yourself from, like, you almost have to do bad things to be good was, was like, kind of like this weird theme that I was playing with when I watched the ending, because it was like, Rachel and those kids deserved that happy ending. And it truly warmed my heart to see it. But look at everything they had to do and look at how they had to break the rules of their society in order to get there. So I kind of was here as a little, a little rebel, a little rebel, uh, a little, you know, I, Jedi I rebel. I particularly like the it. moment of all of that shit happening in the background when the mob was getting him and we're going to hang him and, you know, do the whole nine. And But the shot is Rachel and the kids walking back to the house and all of that's going on in the background. And they're really not paying attention to it at that point. Like they don't have to worry about that anymore. It's like that part of their life is settled and done. And they just kind of march toward a new the brighter future, yeah, like the, the better life. future. You know, like I said, they've got the money. Things are going to be okay. They, you know, uh, John and Pearl get to have uh, a, a somewhat normal family life again. And yeah, Rachel gets a full house of kids and, you know, everything you know, Night of the Hunter part two is essentially just going to be like a Brady Bunch kind of situation in my mind. But everything's really happy. <laughs> I know. Those and if kids something really bad happens, it's like it. something kooky bad. Yeah. It's not really bad, bad. So. And I, I loved, like, I loved it. I loved everything about it. This movie was a great movie. I literally want to own it on, and I yeah. plan like I buy said, it now huge, while it's 50% off. Huge turnaround um, about 45 minutes in where suddenly I wasn't angry and I got it. Like mm-hmm. that was one of those moments where it, like suddenly it became good and then it clicked Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh that's why you did it that way Mm -hmm. so you know the more you know but yeah like cue yeah cue the cue the stars because yeah 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause I it, it was so. good. So yeah. So shall we move on to our next film, the invasion Let's... of the body snatchers, the old 1956 Do version, Don Siegel, a classic, I would argue in the canon. I have to say, I feel like I dodged a bullet here because pound for pound, you know me, I do not like 50s sci-fi. I do not like 50s Cold War for your movies, but damn, I love this one. This one's good stuff. This to me, this movie, and I, I have to say, it's been a minute since I've seen it in its entirety. This one feels like a giant, amazing Twilight Zone episode to me. Like, that's yes. why I like it. Um, first time for me. First time watch for me. First time ever? First time ever. Like, I'm oh. obviously aware of it. I've probably right. seen clips. I never, never sat down to watch to this movie. And huh. holy crap, was this amazing from start to finish. Like Agreed. from start to finish. Yep. I never checked the time once. Nope. I never paused to see how much time was left. I got sucked in and like absolutely fell in love with all the characters. Like I was so here for it. A hundred percent. And I have to say, I have such a cinephile boner for Kevin McCarthy, who played uh, Dr. Miles. I do. I, I was such a boner. Because between his role in this and his role as Biff in the um, original um, Death of a Salesman, Biff mm-hmm. Lohman. Oh, man. Does, and, and he was, ironically, he was in a couple episodes of uh, The Twilight Zone. He's been in a lot through the ages. Um, he was also in The Howling, fun fact. Mm-hmm. I know um, him as a bad guy in something. In a, as a bad guy in something? Hmm. Let me see. Let me, I mean, let me look it up because I'm remembering little, him. A little peek here. Guess what? He was also in the midnight hour, baby. He was the judge. Oh, he the was. The, yeah, he was the guy's dad. Maybe that's. He maybe was, that's. He was the, I, you know what? I don't think it's that though. Yeah. But yeah, he, he was, was. He was the Deloise's. Yeah. He was the uh, Deloise dad. Yep. He was. Yeah. He was in the original Piranha. Um. He was like he's been in a ton of shit. Like, I man. feel like I remember him being the bad guy. I'm like again, like a stupid '80s comedy. Ab- is what I'm I feel like. I did, oh no, no, okay. It's not, but no, I feel like he was, yeah. No, I don't know what you think. Uh, um, To me, he's the dad from, the judge from The Midnight Hour, and he's the dreamboat from uh, Biff Loman. And God, he was hot in this too. Um, Yeah, he was a handsome devil. He was, he was, I tell you what. Can we talk about, can I just, can I take off my feminist, you do what you want, good for you, pants for just a second, and put on my, a little bit of a sneaky bitch, um, pants for a second. Okay. I'm not trying to throw shade at um at Becky, but uh she maybe she's getting a little bit of a rebound on. I mean, it's been <laughs> you just got divorced, girl. Pump the brakes a little, maybe find yourself, like eat, pray, love for a minute, and then you <laughs> jump it. Listen, I'm all about getting it in to help you forget. And you oh, yeah. obviously she's gonna, but I my thought was she probably needs a little time. She probably she probably shouldn't commit to a lifelong. And I have to say, they they were their little love story was very effective for me. It was very sweet. The part where when they were being chased, and I, for anybody who doesn't know the plot, of course, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is literally just that people are being taken over by these seed pod things from outer space and they become like weird droid-like versions of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And when they're running at the end, she says something that like tore me apart. And she was like, I want to love and be loved. I want the grief. I want the, 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 like the world with grief and love and beauty. She's like, I want to have kids with you. I want to have all the ups and downs of it. And again, for the second time at a Jersey Ghouls, like viewing extravaganza, I like welled up with tears. I was so profoundly moved by her statement that like, no, I don't want to be the perfect pod people i want to be hewitt i want to go through all the tough stuff too i know that this film is a very obvious metaphor for the cold war the anxieties of the cold war all that bullshit i'm not going to bore you guys with all that because i feel like that stuff has been talked to death about 1950s films but dare i say that my reading of this film was more about running away from the ho-hum boring burbs life of the 50s like the, the the body snatchers metaphor of you know it being like you know aliens because we were right in the middle of alien like you know space exploration races is there right so is the cold war metaphor about the fear of this the other right and the fear of the communists the red scare but for me i love this as a metaphor for i don't want to live the jane and 
Joe Doe perfect bourbon life. That's what I read it as. I don't know. But you probably don't worry about that anxiety the way I do, Jackie. Like I constantly shirk the notion of living in the perfect suburban, keeping up with the Joneses bullshit life. So for me, when she made that speech, I was like, yeah, I want to fuck you world of boring burbs. I want to be fucking normal and like real. And I loved it. But anyway, continue. <laughs> no, I digress. I, I digress. So I, I, I did a quick IMDB search and I'm oh. fairly certain that I remember him being the bad guy. Do you know the movie um, Inner Space with Martin Short and Dennis Quaid where Martin Short gets... Uh, or Dennis Quaid is shrunk down and goes inside Martin Short's body. Oh my God, but no, this sounds incredible yeah. and I'm sad I missed it. <laughs> so Inner Space, it's a um, 1987 movie. It's it's a comedy and it's got Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan and, and our favorite Dude, if this Martin was Short. If this wasn't a comedy and had Dennis Quaid, Martin Short, and Meg Ryan in it, I would eat my hat. <laughs> if you were like, this is a serious drama. This Marissa. is a period drama, actually. Um, <laughs> Let me see if it's streaming anywhere because I love Inner Space. This movie is so fucking good. Uh, watch movie. Where can we watch it? Well, we can rent it if need be. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the bad guy in Inner Space. Okay. And again, you have these amazing 50s actors who have been in a million awesome things. And I'm like, remember when they were like in this stupid comedy from 1987? That's where no, I know please, I've re- please, I recognized him from Death of a Salesman and Midnight Hour. I don't think I'm getting any street cred here. Um <laughs> Um, the, I, I really, I liked the tropes and I'm, I don't, well, this you know, before we're, they were tropes. I was going to say, we're mean, at a point in the movies of like, are they tropes yet? But like, I love the no, no one believes you trope. Like I, I have always really liked, you know, oh, it's the man. no one believes you trope. And I don't even think it's a trope so much as it's just such a good thematic device to you. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess it's a trope, but man, it's so, effective. but I don't think is that it, it, we don't, is it too early in cinema for tropes to be a thing? Like. I don't want to say that they are the first ones to do it. No, but no. It's yeah. funny because it's usually, you know, in the horror movies that we're more familiar with, the We Don't Believe You is usually directed to children. It's the children that see the boogeyman, you know, like I'm thinking Halloween. It's the children that see the boogeyman. Well, the boogeyman's not real. You'll be okay. No, for serious. I saw the boogeyman. No, you didn't. It's just your imagination. But in this movie, it's the adults. I don't even think I've, do I remember even seeing children in this movie? Like, I think it's all grownups. And at least as far as, uh, at least as far as the no one believes you trope, it's all with the grownups because it was, uh, what's her name's cousin? I think it was at first. She's one of the first ones to be like, yo, my dad is not my dad. Like, I just, I know he looks like him, talks like him, smells like him. You know, he walks like a duck. He talks like a duck. He's gotta be a duck. But I looked into his eyes. And it's not him, you right, know, like there's right. something off. And I mean, what it turns out to be like, they're just like these emotionless pod people. Yeah. Um, but I did. I really, I like that. I loved the whole, I love the setup. I loved the small town setup. Everybody mm-hmm. knows everybody. Like, so well, what better time to like, yeah, like make I the really, verbs look dangerous, right? It I really, mean, it really made sense that it's like, well, of course, you know, we're in a small town. I'm the town doctor. I know you, you and you. And so it's like, of course you're not. What did I, what did I say? Oh, I said small town. Everybody knows everybody. So it's going to be really hard to recognize a difference because there are no strangers in this town. Like everybody right. already is familiar with everybody and you see them every day. So why would you... You wouldn't find, I guess, those small nuances that makes them the pod people. Like it's so perfectly executed because of that. Because it's almost impossible to tell. And I think, again, it it really plays well as like a condemnation of uniformity and, you know, the burbs, which are blowing up in the mid fifties, right? Like it's such a great I don't know, this this film plays so well to me. It's not so much like, oh, the giant ants are coming me. Like, I, and you know, I hate those types of sci-fi yeah. movies. I never doubt them. But this By one- the way, it's called the Cassandra truth is the term for the trope. Now this one is actually particularly for children, but apparently Cassandra is from ca- uh, classic mythology. She was granted the gift of prophecy, but nobody believed her because she was a kid. And when a, a hero comes along and yells of a conspiracy or tells the world about it, and the adults or the other authorities refuse to listen to them. The trope is called the Cassandra truth. Hmm. 
there we go. And now you know. The more we learn, the, the more, more you know. <laughs> uh, no, you I felt I felt very Marissa in my notes. It's sci-fi horror. What's the 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 parasitic? It's a parasitic horror. It's sci-fi horror. You know, think the tingler. Think alien. You know, even something as simple as vampires and werewolves. I mean, in in the in the simplest forms, a vampire is, you know, it's a parasite. It's going to infect the next one and the next one and the next one, just like a werewolf. It's going to infect the next one and the next one. But with this movie, like I said, I've got Marissa notes because there's so much meat on the bones because, you know, the Korean War ended in 1953. We're in the midst of the Cold War. There's the whole fear of the Russian invasion. And then I have the note, nonconformity, no consent, you know, no emotion, you know, gender roles are all over the place. Like it really, the way that this movie presented the characters and then the way that the story built around everybody. Like I loved, um, so Morticia Adams, the original Morticia Adams was in this movie, mm -hmm. but I didn't recognize her because she didn't look like Morticia Adams. So I only know her as that. But like when her and her husband discover that body and then slowly that body becomes more and more looking like her husband, like- I don't normally get the wig, you know, like I don't normally get the heebie-jeebies, but when she discovers the cut on the hand and it's starting to look like him, that one got me. Like that one, like I was yeah. like, okay, that's, that's creepy. That's mm -hmm. creepy. I can, oh yeah. I was convinced when he grabbed Becky, it wasn't really Becky. When yeah. the part where he scoops her up. So for the uh -huh. next 10 minutes, I was like, no, man, it's not her. It's not her. Like I was all scared. Yeah. There were a couple of times where the suspense and the, the horror were really effective. In this and, and sometimes it was the simplest scene. It, the one where all the cars and the buses are gathering in the town and people are coming to pick up their pods. Like they just gather in the town yeah. square. Everybody's just picking up their pods. Yeah. Like it's fucking Home Depot. And yeah. They're Fucking moving birds, on bro. Ooh, ew. You know what? Where was this one when we did our summer of suburban horror? I'm glad we didn't cover it so we could do it now. Oh, but like, seriously, yeah, this, like, this is now, wicked suburban have horror. Have you seen the 1978 version of this? Because I got to tell you, also really good. Really? Have not. I'm going to oh, have yeah. to. Oh, yeah. And it's got our boyfriend Jeff Goldblum is in it. Oh, well then, yeah. I mean, as if you need it. I mean, it's also got Donald Sutherland looking pretty dreamy, but oh, it's, nice. yeah, it's it's actually a really good, I, I actually have seen that one more than I've seen. I think I think it's fair to say that I, it had been a really long minute since I'd seen this in its entirety. So yeah. um, it was kind of like watching it for, all I could think of when they were picking up the little things, the little pod things was like, I was like, oh, Jordy, you've done it again. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't touch it. It's gonna not gonna end well. It was so goopy too. They were so goopy yeah. and like and it's the like, sound so, effects. <laughs> and it's like when they fall asleep. When they fall asleep it is when everything. Yeah. I know. And I, one of my notes is nine ten. Never sleep again. Like, <laughs> <I know>. oh, <laughs> well, there's something so effective to me though about the trope of if you fall asleep because the one thing you need in life to survive. It's one of those things you know, like you need sleep to live. And and God, man, the idea of having a, and then like, oh man, when Becky gets taken and ah. Uh, well, I like <laughs> when they were pretending to be bod people and yeah, then the too. dog <laughs> almost gets run over by the car. I was like, same girl. I would have been like, puppy, careful <laughs> puppy. Yeah, you would have been, been dead. Like I would have been donezo right there. A hundred percent. This, I don't know. It's like, this was one of the things where it's like, as far as like apocalyptic horror, like where, like this to me is like one of the pinnacles. It's like before, you know, this is before, um, like the zombie craze, obviously the zombie craze that happened in the two thousands. But like, I, I wrote the note that like, like at this point, where can you go? Because yeah. like, and I mean, in the sense of like the movie, because I said, just like at the end of Halloween three, you're all still doomed. Like our protagonist might live to the end of the movie, but like, when you think about it, it's hitting every town. It's going to hit every state. It's going to keep spreading. So it had that amazing element of like, maybe you'll survive, but you're probably fucked. And I, yeah, I can, I can dig a happy ending, but I can really dig the you're fucked ending. Yeah, no, it's true. Like the very nihilistic ending was, was pretty cool. Um, and there was a little bit of hope at the, at the very end, in my opinion, but the, the, the like this yeah this movie kind of 
defies a genre for me. Like it's sci-fi. I mean, I know it's a sci-fi movie, but like there's a lot of horror. There's a lot of suspense. There's a lot of drama. I don't know. I really, I dug it. And yeah, you're right. I, I, I was kind of annoyed by like the, of course, the trope of like the useless therapist, psychiatrist who winds up being a, a villain in the end. Like I'm like, come yeah. on, dude. Or he's like, man, see, it's mass hysteria, man. And I'm like, no, that's not what mass hysteria looks like. No. Um, it's a lot quicker. The group has to be a lot more together. Like this is not, you know, like, like monster, let, let's save the monsters, like the mass hysteria for monsters on maple. Okay. Like, like, <laughs> like, let's let them do it. They do it well. This movie, I didn't like that, but I did like this idea of getting back to like the, the trope of it's all in your head and no one believes you. I, I, why that kills me and why it's so effective for me is because so much of, so frequently when someone goes against the norm, does somebody, like, think about it. If, if I walked up to you today, it was like, Jackie, don't freak out. But that's not that. And my family's not that. And like, you would be like Marissa lost her shit. Now you would be one of the only people in the world who'd be like, motherfucker, let's go. Let's find these bad people. Like you'd be, you'd be like, let's find out. Let's mess around and find out. But I think for the average Joe, the thought of, well, it's all in your head and you're mentally ill is going to be where 90% of people are going to go. So like, realistically speaking, one of the things that scares me the most about this is if, if the pod people were here, no one would believe us, right? Like I wouldn't believe somebody if they're like, dude, this person's not really them. Like I would be like, oh, sweet baby angel finally lost their shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so I like a movie where nobody believes the main characters, but it's fair that nobody believes them. It's like Hocus Pocus. Of course, nobody's gonna believe those kids. I wouldn't believe yeah. them. Like shut your fucking pie holes. Would you eat too much candy? Like I think the mom <laughs> says that at one point. And it's like, you know, it's, it's always interesting when it's a movie where, and this is why I loved the remake of Invisible Man so much when you're like, yeah why would anybody believe you you know what I mean like why would anybody believe them in this whole thing but yeah. I I always would like to believe that there's that one ride or die that would believe like I believe you would at least be yeah. like I'm gonna poke them and see what happens like I'm gonna yeah. you know like you would maybe believe me for a few minutes but who knows I would try I would do my I, I'm sure I would if you said like yo Matt's not Matt right we like, would at the very wrong. least we would concoct some sort of test <laughs> which Leads me to my question to you. Oh, okay. My question is, now I know that the pod people retain memories and things mm-hmm. like that, but it's really emotion that they lack. Is there, me up. <laughs> is there something that you could say to Matt to elicit the correct response to know if he was a pod person or not? Like, is there like a funny catchphrase or something you guys always say that you think that you'd be able to detect pod personry in Matt. There's this really obscure, and I can't believe I'm even going to tell this story, but way back in college, and you may know this, you're probably one of the few people who knew this. Way back in college, when we were first hot and heavy, as the kids say, (laughs) people were like, you guys are obnoxious. Like enough with the PDA, enough with like making out, enough going in the other room. You know, we get it. You're, You're madly in love, right? And at one point, we came up with this really corny thing where I would say, I would find random ways to use the word firecracker in normal conversation. Yep, I would. What no, I remember. Yeah. Like, literally, I'm like, I don't think I know the story at you the do. moment you said fire. Yep, and Matt had a response to it that was only, like, was his go-to. And that was our way of kind of being like, oh, I, I love you, you're my spooky bear, we're so cute. And again, so corny. And now if I if he said that to me, I'd be like, oh, you like no i'm tired tonight you know like i'm 40 this is not but if that would be the one thing that only i think he me and probably you would know about my relationship and i would expect him to know the correct answer and if he didn't i would be immediately suspicious of him what about you and chad what's your what's your tell i was thinking about it and it's like there's a couple things it's like it's almost like a call response you know like that yeah like that um like if if we have a call too if one of us gets lost oh my god yeah do you have your lost call well it's not necessarily if you get lost call it's Mm. more just like if we're walking around the house but if one of us says it the other one always repeats it no matter what we're doing or whatever okay but if one of us just like jesus christ (laughs) the other one goes jesus christ and then we generally is that actually it you go jesus christ we'll go jesus christ and then that generally will turn into like oh my god it's such a bitch 
and then we just talk and then that eventually can like go into like white girl wasted like if i give him my white girl wasted voice you love your and he responds in white girl wasted voice we're good then then i know we're good you know you're good right there's certain things another one of mine is whenever one of us can't find the other one we always go which i'm sure you've heard us do a million times but it's a like specific like and the girls do it now too when it's like our universal call so if we're at a ball or something we can't find each other we immediately go and everybody responds and to this like that would be so those would be the two things i would think of off the top of my head i would do the firecracker thing and then i would immediately do our whistle because a pot person wouldn't know to immediately whistle back now what i'm fascinated by is would you willingly embrace pod life because there's a part of me, and, and it's no secret that I suffer from anxiety and other mental health issues, that life be hard for everybody. But some, there was a tiny piece of me that was like, wait, so I could just be like not feeling anything? Like it just exists and like it'll be like fun? And like, but tell me more, pod people. Like, <laughs> and again, you have a brochure. <laughs> you have a pamphlet. I would like to hear more. Yes. Um, but like, again, her speech at the end really like drove it home for me that like being human means having all the a range of emotions for better or for worse. So my question to you is pop people come and knock and are you going to fight or are you going to be like, I'm in? If I'm like one of the last ones, like if Chad's already gone, if my mom and dad okay, are gone, you and like you're run, gone, right? <laughs> you know, AJ, Jenny, Jane, right. you just tried people. to smooch me and I was clearly a yeah. pod person, right? Yeah. You're, you're, nobody <laughs> I tried to snuggle you and you were just like, it, you know, I didn't you, you lay didn't, on your bosom, You didn't right. reciprocate. Right. You, didn't you know it's not my me. Butt. Right. It's not you. Um, right. I, didn't I ask would you think for that, peanut butter cup. You know yeah. it's not me. Like if it was like me and some other person, like left in the town, and the pod people came and knocking, like party wants to be like, you know what? Like what? Fine, fine, whatever. Like this might as well happen today. Um, part of me thinks that that might be like I don't, I don't know. Like if everybody. If everybody else is gone, it's hard to say that I would keep running. I don't know that I'm built for a run for my life for the rest of my life kind of That's person. me too. I'm yeah. I'm a 1000% with you. If I'm if I've lost everything at that point I'm like, "Okay, you win, bye." But I say that about zombies all the time too. I'm like, <laughs> "I know when I'm licked. I'm not making it to the end of the zombie apocalypse." I I'll have a decent run. But not if I actually. Yeah, I think I'll. I will give it right at the start. But I think I will give it a try. Yeah, give the old try. Sure. (laughs) You know, if it's just me and my dog, we'll make an effort. I will make an effort. It's just me. If I have to carry Nodi, yeah, no. Yeah, Uh, we're gonna get the giant fucking baby Bjorns because my dog's a (laughs) hundred pounds, and I'll drag him mostly because I don't have upper body strength. But it'll just be me and the dog and a giant baby Bjorn. You know, I will have looted the grocery store for a pizza flavored goldfish and we're just going to make it out on our own. We're going to we're going to strike out on the land. I don't know how long we're going to last because he could be kind of a douchebag sometimes. And if we see another animal, he's going to start barking. I know he's he's going to blow our cover. He's going to blow our cover. But I've had that thought about my dog so many times in the apocalypse, <laughs> like that dipshit. And it's funny because she just started chewing on her bone behind me. And I'm like, of course, because I'm recording. Of course she wants to chew on her yes. bone. But um, she's so stupid that she would be my biggest liability in the zombie apocalypse. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's just. Yeah. He Dudley is my biggest liability and probably the thing that I would try to protect most. Like, I'm going to end up dying in some idiot way, protecting my dumb dog that I love more than life itself. Yeah, no, it's, I used to really worry about that when the the girls were, real, this is the stupid stuff that neurotically I would think about when the girls were babies and they couldn't like, they wouldn't know not to cry. Like they physically wouldn't be able to not cry and stuff. I used to be like, what a liability. What if this is going to be terrible. <laughs> Survive suck in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, now, at least now I, I got I could make a good run at it. The other, besides being like, you know, the political allegory, right? That like some people read it as like the right wing communist, you know, agenda creeping in. And that's what we have to write, watch out. Other people think from a more liberal view of it is like the, the real danger is like the monotony of life in America in the 1950s. I love both readings. Another reading I played with besides the foreigners thing, because I do think in the 1950s, there was a lot more of like that xenophobia than we ever really kind of give credit for. But um, maybe disease. He even at one point calls it a disease when he's like trying to figure out what's going on. And this Mm -hmm. idea of like certain emotions or even mental health disorders or like 
certain things being a disease of the mind or a disease of the body, I found fascinating. Like I, and I kind of played with in my own head, obviously it's so much more tempting to go with either the communist or like the anti-suburban, you know, readings of this film. But I think there's something to be said for like, you know, maybe a little bit of the space anxiety, obviously, but also this idea of maybe, maybe the disease is, is, is us. Like maybe what the pod people are actually curing, like truth be told, they're probably better versions of humans than we are. But what makes us human is all of the mental health and all of, you know, the issue. Yeah, all of our emotion and right. all of our all feelings. Of the things. I right. really, no, I love that. I, I mean, and I think that's what makes this movie stand apart as I like agree. a 1950s sci-fi Classic, horror movie. right. Is because there is so much meat on the bones. <laughs> like, and, and for me, thought that this movie just aesthetically looked so good oh, I love yeah. Yeah. the cinematography one of my favorite is at the end when he goes to kiss her and it was like where's my note about it it's like the point of view I love the kiss point of view when she's obviously the pod person I do you too know, it's like it's that yeah. moment of like she's gone she's gone Yep. And just the way it's played out, the, the way the, the, the score and everything else in this film, it, it's just a really well done film. And I agree with you. I think that the reason why it still is a movie that's talked about constantly and on tons of lists and tons of gets, you know, played in film classes and stuff is because it's got that classic American film design to it with the acting and the cinematography and all that. But it's also so it's got so much meat on these bones, you know? Really does. Anything else about Invasion of the Body Snatches? That's all that I have. Me too. I loved it. I loved yeah. the metaphors. I loved everything about it. And I kind of, man, I'm loving this little journey of ours through uh, the history of film. We need it's, to go back and start all over again. <laughs> I know. It, no, it really is opening me up to movies that I have never seen, whether they have been I'll get to it eventually kind of movies or movies that I never really would have watched. Like, I don't know that I ever would have watched Night of the Hunter. No, I I definitely would have watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers at some point. I don't know that I ever would have looked at Night of the Hunter and been like, yeah, I'll watch this. I probably not. Probably not. Um, And yay for this because it was banging. I really loved it. Um, I definitely need to own. I need to own Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Between the two, I like that one better, but that's not to say, but that's not to say anything against Night of the Hunter because Night of the Hunter was really, really good. But like, if I'm going to own one of these and I can only own one, I'm going to own Body Snatchers because I really, really liked it. I also generally like the 50s horror i like the rubber suit monsters of the 50s and 60s you do yeah um, you're a lot more so, tolerant yeah. of it than i am yeah i don't know what it is i mean maybe i need to give it more of a chance because i really enjoyed this both of these films so much that i'm like huh 50s horror slash sci-fi slash thrillers i see you <laughs> you i'm glad i avoided any sort of like monster in the rubber suit slash mm-hmm. giant alien cucarachas from outer space slash, <laughs> you know, biological. Oh God, we're doing science and it's so scary. Those films are not for me. So I really appreciate that we avoided those. Cheers to that. Next time we have some guests joining us mm-hmm. and we are going to the swinging sixties. Yeah, baby. Yeah. That was my really bad Austin Powers, but that, was, ter- that was terrible. Yeah, baby. No, I can't do it. Come on, just do it. Cause you're probably going to do it so good i can't do it i never claimed that i could do it i'm just what? giggling at your attempt do i I'm make you horny do, do I, I? yeah that's, that was good do i do yeah. i make you randy <laughs> i'm so bad at impersonations and i love it <laughs> matt is that working for you or no yeah. does it does make you horny <laughs> all right we're ready to wrap up these shenanigans we hope you guys have enjoyed the 1950s. If you haven't seen these movies, what yeah. the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, people? Get out the there hop, and watch them. After you go to the sock hop, head over to your local theater. They you know, go to the drive-in. Back get a then, go, to the movie, yeah, go to the You have cats, you. Right? <laughs> that was the 50s. All right, kids. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to check us out on social media. You got media. all Crypt Keeper. You were like, all right, kitties. <laughs> Boy, think cool. <laughs> All right, that's a voice that I wish that I wish I could impersonate the crisp, the crisp, the crypt, the crisp keeper. He's wonderful. That's in my French. (laughs) The crisper, the crisper creeper. The crisp. That's uh, that's the fruit in my fridge that has been shoved in the back that I forgot about. So that's the the crisp keeper is a really hard word to say. (laughs) You know what, guys? Just 
go to social media and search Jersey Ghouls and find us. Go to iTunes. Go. It's not called iTunes anymore, right? It's no, Apple it's Music. Meta. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> go on to some sort of subscription service yeah, and give whatever, us five stars. Whatever Mark Zuckerberg, that robot, told you to do, go do it. Because that's, and give that's us where stars. we live now. We all live on the interwebs. You didn't, he didn't even give us the choice between the pills. Now we all just live in the fucking matrix. Thanks a lot, Facebook. I mean, meta book, whatever the fuck. I'm sorry. Or, I got angry. It's fine. It's, you know what? He can't have jerseyghouls.com. No, that's our can't. website. You know what? That's Come, our website. That's going to stay in the regular universe. If you want to buy it, you can make the check out to us. Um, that's right. Perfectly uh, fine. T- 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Very cheap. <laughs> we can do like 100 million dollars why do i keep making awesome that's a callback ladies and gentlemen that is what it's called a callback we're here all night funny right about back here (laughs) oh good lord we gotta go we're done oh man well we we goofed up that exit right good let's go to the hop let's go to the hop Let's go to the hop, baby. Let's go to the hop. Come on. Let's go to the hop. Well, you can swim it, you can do it, you can really start to move it at the hop. Where the jockey is. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 